We would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of the land. We respectfully acknowledge elders past, present and emerging. Always was, always will be. Welcome to Wine with Megan Mal. We're here to help you navigate the world of wine. I'm Mal Gilchrist, joined by Master of Wine, Meg Brotman, and we have a special guest today. Welcome, Kyra Montan. Yay! Hi, thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining us. We've been wanting to get you on forever, so it's so good to finally have you. And where's Kara from? Oh, sorry. Yeah, yeah, no, I didn't actually. Well, I feel like we kind of, we, we Just teased it. Just random off the street. Yeah, we teased it last week. I love the podcast. I want to go on it. So, Kara is the food and wine writer for Herald Sun. Um, so she basically has the dream job and no. we have a trillion questions for her about how that actually works. Absolutely. But we're going to get there. Um, first, Kara, can you tell us what you've been drinking lately? Well, I have, for my wine column for the Herald Sun, uh, which comes out weekly, I review, this week I reviewed Red Blends and I drank a really delicious 2021 Soma. Soma? Soma. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Pinot. South of Maroondah Highway. I always pronounce it. That's what it stands for. I know. I love that fun fact. Ever since I've learned that, I feel (laughs) like I need to tell everyone. I'm like, South of Maroondah Highway. Uh, 2021 Pinot Syrah blend. (gasps) It's good, isn't it? It's good. 50-50 divide of grapes. And it's just like the best of both worlds. It's like you get the Pinot and then you get the Syrah. And yeah, I loved it. It was, yeah, gorgeous. So that that was a fave this week. And that's what, like, $40? Yeah, they're around the 35, 35 40 bucks mark. And it's crazy that that's not a more common blend, actually. I think because Pinot's been so expensive uh, that yeah, it's kind of blended. has the premium. Yeah. But because Pinot is now so expensive, they can get the kudos of Pinot. Yeah. But still make it Sirari and Bunchy and fresh. Mm. Yeah, they're beautiful. Because um, who were, was it? Oh, Giant Steps used to do one, like Dry Red, I think it was called LDR, mm. and it was a Syrah Pinot blend. Yeah, they're great blends. I think we should be doing one as well. Yeah, absolutely. Just to kind of stretch your Pinot a little bit. And certainly at the Cool Climate Wine Show that we judged, they, if you go, you wouldn't know, but yeah. you go through and you have a look at the wines, quite a few of them, they've got really good scores. Yeah. Oh, wow. So I think it's a style that people, yeah, as long as the cool. Shiraz is that Syrah, crunchy, peppery, it's not the big fat Shiraz. Yeah, yeah. And and that's what this one was like. It was just, it had the best of Syrah, so you got that pepperiness and then you've mm. got like a little bit of that dark fruits, like the plums and the blackberry and it was really juicy. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Yep. Yeah, I loved and it. And so my great producers. They yeah. are. Um, we'll link to this wine on the show notes if anyone wants to taste it. Meg, fun fact. Okay, it's another sustainability slash um, environmental one. So climate change is very very real and i was just reading the other day the po valley which is where the veneto is which ties into our prosecco from last week um are going into drought now this is a region of italy that grows rice and if you know about rice rice needs a lot of water so the yeah. fact that they are going into drought they don't think they've got enough water to produce food. They think it's going to be a food crisis in Italy. At this stage, it hasn't affected grapes so much, but watch out. If they haven't got enough water for the volumes of Prosecco that they're producing... Oh, my... If they can't... I know. What are they going to do? (laughs) No Prosecco. I know. (laughs) By Australian. But, yeah, it's really, really scary that areas that have lots and lots of water where they've grown rice and, you know, water-intensive crops are now saying... 
yeah, we're not going to be able to do it. And we're just going to see more and more of it. I mean, there were fires in Spain apparently in June this year. Mm-hmm. And Europe never had bushfires. Oh, scary stuff. Hey, can we take a quick side dive? I keep hearing about places that are um, using smoke-tainted grapes as a marketing tool. Like, people come in and they're like, you have to taste this cool wine. Because it got affected from the fires, it's got this, like, smoky tone. Oh, my. That is so Emperor's New Clothes. That is just bullshit. The wine is <laughs> naked, people. It's smoky. I know that... In, I kind of love it. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it just, if you, yeah, have you ever had a smoke tainted one? It tastes like a dirty ashtray. It's disgusting. Nah, I don't rate it. I don't think it's cool. <laughs> I mean, you can get smoke characteristics yeah. in other winemaking ways. Yeah. Like yeah, you yeah. can do that through barrel and smoking the barrel, that yeah. kind of thing. I don't think you need it in the graves. Like, no. Ooh, gross. I know people have been distilling the grapes and making yeah. spirit out of it as yep. sort of to save the the grapes, but no. You and who is making this wine and then deciding that it's a marketing plus? <laughs> I'm so not going to say it on air. They're a smaller family business. But... Um, Out them. Shame I'm them. not shaming them. <laughs> These places have been affected by bushfires and they're just trying to get a little bit of return on the poor business that has suffered from a natural event. I kind of think it on. And it worked because my friends were like, hey, we got... We tasted this, like, cool wine. Like, <laughs> no, okay. I'm, just, I'm getting a lot of head checking. I'm, I, I am I just, I, I, I worry about the wine drinking public, like, seriously. Um, People love a gimmick. <laughs> it is a gimmick. It's yeah. totally. It's a fault. Okay. Well, I'll give you some vinegar and tell you that it's wine. <laughs> nice. That's a new marketing thing. Let's move on. <laughs> Sorry. Cara, yes. when we first met you, I was like, clearly you have the best job in the world. I want to know what are the best bits. Is it the best job in the world? Just tell us about it. Okay, I'm not going to lie. It is the best job in the world. I do <laughs> I do love my job. But like with any job, there are the pros and there are the cons. Like yeah. I feel like some of the pros are I get to go out and have dinner and that's work. And it's and, all on like company credit card. Well, yes. And I think that's another thing that people – there's a huge, huge misconception about food writers is people seem to lump us in with the influencer sort of crowd where it's yeah. like an exchange of goods kind of mm-hmm. where I'll post this and then you come and eat my, at my restaurant for free. Yeah. And that's not how it works. Like we pay for everything that we go to. Like every review we go to or every review that I go to is yeah. paid by myself. And, and do you pick the restaurant or is it – do you have – have a list or suggestions or PR companies tell you where to go or yeah so I choose all the restaurants that I go to a lot of them are new so a lot of them will come to us via PRs so people will just email me saying hey this new this new restaurant's opened um, do you want to come in and then I'll put it on my list and then I'll just go in uh, at a time that suits really so we try and keep it newsworthy because at the end of the day, like yeah. I still work for a news publication, so yeah. we can't just go to like a restaurant. Well, we could, but it would have to have some sort of angle where you wouldn't go to somewhere that's been around for 25 years mm-hmm. unless, you know, there was some sort of newsy angle, like is there a new chef or a really different change in direction? So that would be the only time we'd do that. So what's your typical week look like? 
Oh, gosh. Well, this week, we uh, well, for, I feel like for the past three months, I've been reviewing for our annual guide, which uh, is called the Delicious 100. So we have been going out to hundreds of restaurants uh, over the course of about three months, uh, myself and a team of reviewers. So it's not just me, thank God. I don't think I could go to 100, <laughs> more than 100 restaurants. Like if you do the math and you work it out. Do you go by yourself? Or? Uh, yeah, sometimes I do. Uh, usually I get to bring a friend or a, my husband or oh, a plus nice. one. So that's nice. He married well. He did. He did. <laughs> he did. Yeah. But he, and he loves it. But then also I feel like, and this is probably uh, world's smallest pity party. I don't think people are going to sort of sympathize too much <laughs> with me when I say, oh, there are cons to this job. But, you know, sometimes it does become work when you're going out mm, all the yeah. time. If you're yep. going out three times a week, yep. sometimes he's tapping out. He's like, you know what? I don't really want to go and eat at this restaurant. And I'm like, come on, it'll be fun. He's like, yeah. nah, maybe take a friend. And then sometimes I just end up going by myself because it's, you know, it is work really. Yeah, so, exactly. yeah. yeah, but it's great. I love it. It's Do a you great take job. notes at the table or you just uh, kind of? Yeah. Yeah. Also, if you ever need a friend to take, um, oh, I, yes. I'm just, I'll just let you know I'm available. She's yeah. a super taster. She's really classy. Don't take her. <laughs> no, I'm a super taster. It means I'll taste really well. I'm sure I'll have some Ma- good comments. Maybe so. I need that. <laughs> She'll paint all the restaurants. She can't have onions or garlic or flavour of any kind. So. No, I can. It just makes me bloated. It'll be fine. <laughs> That's right. The things you'll do. The things I'll do. <laughs> um, what was the question? Sorry. <laughs> Well, the what, your typical week. Yeah, oh, typical week. Typical week. Typical yeah. week. So, like, I guess, for instance, the last week. So, I at the Herald Sun. So, my role is a hybrid role. Yeah. So, I work half the week doing food and wine. Mm-hmm. So, I write all the food stories for the Herald Sun. Uh, I which go on my weekly page called Kitchen Confidential. Comes out on a Tuesday. Uh, so, I'm filling content for that. Uh, I'm also reviewing wine for that column. So, I have like three wines that I'll review each week and each week has a different theme so it might be reds whites italian uh, reds that kind of thing then i also go out and i review restaurants so that'll be a weekly thing as well and then sort of on top of all of that i'm doing digital content for the herald sun um so pretty much populating news for our website uh doing social media that kind of thing so uh yeah, and on top of that, I was doing the guide. So I feel like it's just – it's a lot yeah. and it is my life, but I love it. And awesome. I think you kind of need to be like that in, in a role like this. You just need to really be all-consumed. Are you ever off? Uh, I have my moments. It is hard for me. Yeah. <laughs> um, I was the person on my honeymoon three days in on a beach oh, no. and I was like – I need to do something. I need to do something. So it's hard for me yeah. to switch off, but yeah. I think I'm getting better at it these days. Yeah. I'm finding that balance. And you know how when people say, oh, if you love what you do, you never work a day in your life. I actually yeah. believe that mm. is true to an extent. Like yeah. it's not like there are times where you're like, oh, I have to go out. Like and when I say I have to go out, I'm very lucky to go out. Yes. But there's days where you're like, oh, I just want to sit on the couch and eat broccoli oh and then go to bed at yeah. like 8, 8 p.m. That's yeah. kind of my vibe. And but you do get to a point where you just can't fathom food. Like, it's just yeah. too much. You know, I judge this – you used to judge this show where you have it with food and you get to the point where you just oh. – you physically, I cannot fit another mouthful in my mouth and I don't – and it's amazing food, mm. but it's just – no, it's too much. Oh, yeah. Like, and uh, coming off the back of this guide – 
it's been really great because I've sort of like I've eaten at all these restaurants three times a week, but when you eat out at restaurants three times a week and you're not just getting a salad and chips, you're getting proper <laughs> degustation kind of food. Yeah. Always go the chips. Though. I love <laughs> chippies. I love chippies. Always have the floor. And the bread. I love it. But it's it's kind of like you, you start to I have I have this weird thing where I'm like, I just can't have five courses of meat in a row like no. I just can't do it no. or like and I'm gravitating more towards things that I probably wouldn't have eaten a lot in in my time previously like I'm lo- really looking for like the veggie dishes yeah or I'm looking for things that are lighter and like I feel like everyone's doing ceviche at the moment or kingfish it's like I've had like a million kingfish mm. dishes this year or mm. beef tartare mm. or like even steaks we we're talking about steaks before like I love steak but you know what? I'm just happy just to not have that for a while. Okay, and there's yeah. so many great vegetarian slash vegan restaurants mm. and or options these days. It's not like, you know, back in the day if you wanted vegetarian, you got a bowl of broccoli or some beans. No. You know, it's really exciting food mm. oh. out there now. So you can – and it's good balance because more and more people are obviously eating mm. less meat. Yeah. Well, less protein, I guess. Mm. Do you have tofu when you go out? Sometimes depends where it is. But like, do you even have the choice? Because do you always just get the chefs? Well, no, not really. Uh, so that's probably one thing. Okay. Like food reviewing one hundred and one is we do not do the chef's menu if we can avoid oh, it. Why is that, that was going to be my question. Yeah, we yeah. well, it's good because we like to choose. Uh, certain dishes that jump out at us. So if I go to a restaurant, sometimes you can't avoid it. Sometimes it is set menu and you just have to strap in and that's your thing. But usually I will go to a restaurant and I will look at the menu and I can sort of see the dishes that are going to be uh, – how do I put it? I could write about it because there's only so much you can say about – here that someone cooked this steak. Mm. I mean, steak's steak. Like, yeah, when oysters are oysters. Yeah. Well, there's nothing that they've really done to sort of zhuzh them up and make yeah. them, you know, it's not going to really show chef sort of skills. So I'm looking for the dishes where they're really complicated and you can see the technique and you're able to sort of judge it on that. And do you, do you cook? Like, do you have an understanding of process and I don't know. Yeah. Well, I've always – I'd like to think I'm a really good home cook. Oh, good. But, but <laughs> yeah. you know, maybe the husband sure thinks to differ. <laughs> well, he can cook if he doesn't. Yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. Fair, fair yeah. point, fair point. Uh, no, but I, I've always loved cooking and I feel like I've grown up in a family like, you know, my parents, you know, they loved cooking as well. Dad really loves it. Like, you know, they'll make everything from scratch. It's like if we're going to have pizzas, Dad's making the dough from scratch. And, yeah. You know, even not even buying tomato paste. It's like doing it the proper way. Yeah. So I feel like I've come from a good grounding where I can appreciate food and I really just enjoy being able to tell those stories. Like when people yeah. are doing that in the restaurant, the chefs come up with this really awesome idea for this dish. You're like, oh, my gosh, how did you come up with that? How did that, How did you even think of that? I, yeah. I love being able to showcase that in my job. Do you engage with the chefs when you're there or are you just in and out like a normal everyday diner? Well, I try and keep it authentic as possible. So that's sort of the game. Like I don't go in there going, oh, look, I'm here. You know, I'm reviewing. <laughs> like it's done completely anonymous, under the radar. Yeah. Uh, I try not to engage with the chefs, but I feel like – in the last year or so, it's becoming harder for me to do that because my face is in the paper, like yeah. that kind of thing. And I'd, and I'd like to think, you know what, like realistically, not everyone knows who I am, so I will go under the radar for as long as I can. But there are times where you sit down, 
and the chef will come up and they'll be like, hey, Cara, how are you going? And then you've just got to kind of go, oh, hey, how are you going? The jig is up. (laughs) So wear a disguise. Yeah. Well, (laughs) Cara's got this little moustache and the glasses and the big nose and a hat. I mean, okay, cool. I could. Well, we do book under aliases, so that is probably as sleuthy as so we they get. can't pre-prepare sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. Okay. but I, I feel like I've got a few on the go, and I don't know whether other food critics do it as well. But yeah, I feel like I need maybe a burner phone or something because I think <laughs> now, you know, even the phone that I'm using, yeah. people are very like. One time I called up at a restaurant in Melbourne recently, and they already knew who I was just purely because of the phone number, and they're like, "Oh, thanks, Cara," and I'm like, "Oh, um, no, I was booking under a different name. <laughs> it's, not it's not me. Cara. No, it's someone oh else. <laughs> it's someone else. Is it true they have photos of?" Yes, absolutely. So I have have a few mates who work in PR and they've told me that if you are serious about your business, they will have a photo, headshots of all the food critics in Melbourne in the kitchen or even just out the back for front of house to to know. That's so But I'm I'm low-key wondering what photo they're using. I hope it's a nice one. It's like just me like on a wild night out on Instagram or something. (laughs) That's what's scary, walking down the street and they've snapped you. Yeah, yeah. they've got me. So the wine side. Yes. How do you taste enough wine, A, to have something to review, like a few things to review every week? Do you, are you doing it while you are doing the food at the same time at the restaurant or are you picking one separately? How does all that work? So that happens completely independent of the restaurant reviewing. I am very lucky in my role. This is probably another work perk, but people do send me a lot of samples to review wine, which is great. Uh, and I did have this system, I probably need to get better at it, but I did have this system where I had this Excel spreadsheet and I put every single wine that I got sent in there and then every week I'd be like, oh, what have I got enough of to review? Because I like to categorise it. Uh, and and also the other thing with my wine column is the different price points as well. Mm. So there's the under 25s, there's 25s to 40 and then 40 and over so I try and find like through this magical spreadsheet of mine wines that I'll be able to sort of pick and review within all those categories which comes up more often than not yeah uh but I tend to try and yeah like I I will basically it's a bit of a mix I will review the wines that I get sent and then there might be a a category one week where I'm like you know what I just want to review like sparkling wine but then i'll go out and buy the sparkling yeah. wine that okay. kind of thing so it's a it's a bit of mix a mix i'm not gonna lie i had this like vision of you like with a wall of wine just like spinning around in a circle and just like whatever you're pointing at at the end <laughs> it's like... we probably could do that there's a lot of wine <laughs> as random as you <laughs> maybe i should do that for my column next week mel it's do just it. like you know these are the wines that i chose mel method yeah just a big it. arrow flipping <laughs> <laughs> around like um that game where you twister oh yeah oh yes wine twister twister yeah well, <laughs> so fun the thing is you're getting sent so much and you're on the cutting edge of what mm. seemingly must be really cool in wine mm. what are you noticing what are you really excited about at the moment well I think Going out and, and looking at wine lists, you can kind of see that I think, well, obviously people are using more, you know, there's more of those funky kind of wines in, like the cool kids are drinking mm. all the pet nats and the skin contact wines. I feel like that's having a moment. I feel like there's a less, and this is probably just something that's happened over time, but I feel like there's less bigger, gutsier, bolder mm-hmm. kind of wine styles out there on food menus in particular. And I know why they do it because you're not really – 
going to have your huge, heavy Shiraz, Barossa Shiraz with something. Ceviche. Yeah, well, even just naturally with the food, it's kind of not really going to work. So there's probably more of a leaning towards that. Um, People are saying that Cabernet is going to come back and have a resurgence. I don't know. What do you think about that, Meg? (laughs) I'd love it. Um, Yeah, I don't know. They've been saying that about Riesling, you know, since Mm. I was about three years old. So it's been a long time coming and it still hasn't happened. I would love to see Cabernet. I think because Mel was talking, we talked about this ages ago, that people like lighter, crunchier, fresher styles. And so if Cabernet is going to come back, we have to change up the way Mm. we make it. Yeah. Um, And that's, I think that's the issue, getting people in traditional regions to sort of go, oh, okay, we're not going to make something tannic and long-lived and blah, Mm. blah, 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 and change it to something that's fresher and Mm. potentially lower in in alcohol. And because Cabernet is such a difficult grape variety, if it's not ripe, it's yuck. Yeah. And so you don't have as much room to move on that sort of picking window to make those fresh mm. wines. I think in the Yarra Valley we could do it. Yeah, but, um, absolutely. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'd love to see Cabernet come back. But yeah. No, it's had its moment. Let something else shine. When did it have its moment? With Bordeaux. It's like it's a hot grape variety in the world. There are actually, um, you've just reminded me, there actually are some really cool wines coming out of Coonawarra at the moment. Mm-hmm. A few of the winemakers are doing some funky, cool things. Patrick of Coonawarra. I know. Had, yeah, I know. They're so great. They've got that, I'm trying to remember what the name of it is, but they've got this line and they did a, uh, it was actually really fun, um, this Cabernet that was grown metres from a gum tree. And when you drink it, you get that eucalyptus vibe. Yeah. Another fault. Seriously. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So what happens with eucalyptus trees, one eucalyptus leaf in a picking bin will give, it's called eucalyptol, so it gives yeah. that eucalyptus taste. Yeah. And during hot days, the oil on the, in the eucalypt leaves can fall into the, onto the fruit. Mm-hmm. So it is considered a fault okay. by many um, because we don't, Want we plant the vineyards now away from gum trees and we cut them down, but obviously again yeah. using. Well, they're doing a unique selling point. Why? Are you, this is my if thing. If people like the flavour, that's fine. But exactly. Mm. If people like the flavour, it's a bit like a cough lolly. Yeah, I think you should give it a go <laughs> and and genuinely maybe you should review it on the show next week. I reckon yeah, give yeah, it a go yeah, because yeah, let's let's get some. and there and also as well another one that I did have that maybe. I don't know, it was a bit different, but Wins are doing uh, something a bit funky with their reframed um, line. I did sample it this week. It's in my column next week, I think it is. And I think it was like a mix between the blend of Cabernet Franc and Cab Sav from Wins. Really full on. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah, I feel like it's a bit like I enjoyed it to review it. I don't think I would personally i don't know like i don't know if i'd be you know choking it back on a friday night kind of thing what's exciting is these very traditional producers winds of kunawara and patrick mm-hmm. yeah he went to uni with rob yeah they're mixing it up they're trying I to make seeing it. cabernet yeah. cool again yeah. Do you know how lame you sound when you say make Cabernet cool again? <laughs> Put it on a T-shirt. I, lo- I love like- I love Cabernet. I absolutely love it. And I love all different styles and the Cabernet Francs and crunchy styles. But I just – I think you're fighting against um, so much tradition maybe that it's going to take a while. But there are mm. – People, I mean, you're you're mm. doing the good fight. I, yeah, we're fighting yeah. a good fight for us. And yeah. so, going back to this trendy cool stuff, 
what do you think of the natties and like the pet nuts and your skin contacts, the natural stuff? I feel like they had a real big moment maybe two, three years ago. Like I remember going out to restaurants and deliberately ordering orange wine because I think I had a good one um, and actually re- a good one. <laughs> oh my gosh, I sound, sounded co- so condescending then. No, I remember, actually remember who served it to me and where it was from. So Leanne Altman, who works uh, uh, with Trader House Group, yeah. Andrew McConnell's line of restaurants. I think I was at Super Normal. And there was this awesome skin contact uh, white, loved it, could never find it again. Like it just, just like I, I think it just got taken off the list. I couldn't find it. But ever since then, I was like, right, I'm committed. Let's go and find some more. Obviously, you know, there were some yeah. good ones and not so good ones. I'm open to it, but I don't think it's my vibe. I don't, I don't know. I feel like it, the sediment, I don't like that. I just want to drink something that's a bit... You know, it's done done properly. I don't delicious, know. Properly delicious. Okay. <laughs> properly, I was going to say properly Uh-oh. delicious. Maybe, maybe it's just personally not my vibe. But yes. I can appreciate and yeah. respect it if it's uh, done well. What do you think about? I have heard about some shows have been discussing whether there should be a category mm-hmm. for wine like that to be able to be entered in at wine shows. You at mean. wine shows, yep. like. What is your stance? Would you like to see wines like that in wine shows? I think we've got a like if we're looking, I feel like it's sort of this battle, isn't it? I feel like if you're looking to the future, are we going to sort of stay, stick to tradition or are we going to try and sort of break tradition and try new things? Because when you do that, you might be able to find something that's really great mm-hmm. and that, that is delicious. With the whole pet nat thing and the orange wines thing, maybe this is just a blip in, you know, the story of wine. Maybe we'll look back in 50 years' time and go, oh, geez, that, that was bad. Yeah. But I'm, I'm not going to sort of shame producers if they're going to go out of their way to make something that might be really delicious because at the end of the day, we're here to enjoy wine. Yeah. It's yeah. not about, oh, gosh, that's not right. Like, you know, yeah. technically, like, the, you know, there are some styles that I don't like, but it's kind of like let's just embrace this new sort of wave of wines and if they want to put it in a show I don't know how would you even judge that how would that even happen like there are logistics there would be yeah put it into classes but have have you ever put one in your column uh no Mm. maybe I could do pet map for the next column Mm -hmm. but it'll be interesting for me because I haven't widely consumed a lot of pet nat yeah and I think it's a seasonal thing too like I don't know about mm. you but right now is probably oh not God. the time I'll to crack one in winter no yeah. no absolutely it's a summertime thing yeah, it is so I think again we've had this discussion that it's not an either or thing it can be part of your drinking mix that is my yes that is, that's what I think so passionately but there are so many bad ones yeah that's the that's my yes. you know, <laughs> problem with issue. it that I just don't know and um even when I read reviews of them I'm still not 100% convinced that when I pick it up I'm going to be seeing the same thing as the reviewer because mm-hmm. there's a lot of bias mm-hmm. invested in promoting it as a category and so they're yeah, they're all delicious I've never seen anyone say oh no this is crap yeah. like mm. when we do some of those deep dives into wine mm-hmm. you've got some pretty alternative lifestyles and no one says shitty yeah. You know, and sometimes yeah. the wines are actually faulty mm-hmm. yeah, and they're not good. And that's why I feel like you need to be super honest. And I would feel as a reviewer in food and wine, I would feel terrible if I wasn't honest in what I was saying. Like I'm not just going to write something and say this is great if it's not. And you need to yeah. be like that. And I feel like that brings that level of authenticity. It's all about journalism and having that sort of responsibility of 
being able to tell the truth or the truth or you know what I mean which is like a great segue into my next question because have you ever been honest and gotten some like really bad backlash from owners or something well I'm always honest in my reviews there was one review that I did um, and you can probably look up the venue you probably can google it but there was a review that I did early on when I started this role where I'd gone to a restaurant that had a lot of hype about it yeah Uh, it had some big name chefs involved big restaurant group and it was opening like it was hyped up and, and you know, it's a blessing and a curse. I feel like the media hype it up. Everyone yes. hypes it up. They're, they're really like, so we're, we're to blame as well. But when I, uh, I suppose like halfway through, you know, this restaurant was supposed to open with this chef and then the chef just left and there was no <gasps> talking about, uh, you know, why they left. They just left exit stage left. And then they, they went and then this restaurant group was like, right, we're still opening and this is going to be, you know, the restaurant. And there was all this expectation around this opening this named <laughs> chef too. yeah oh and cooking gosh. their food so yeah some other random mm. yeah mm-hmm. so there was a lot of expectation around that and i kind of feel like you look at that and you're like oh gosh you can't win either way because people are going to judge it yeah. but the thing that and the thing that happened was i went in and reviewed it um independently and there were things that just weren't matching up to what that level of expectation was because this is an expensive restaurant. This isn't you spend 50 bucks and you get your hot chips and you go home kind of thing. This is like you will drop $300 minimum for a night out. And the thing that really grinds my gears about, and you know, the hype and not having credibility in reviews is that people who work really hard and don't aren't in positions where they're privileged to go to restaurants like me every week um, or even people who can afford to go to restaurants they will save up and they will Mm. go to this restaurant because they haven't they see all that hype and they see all that expectation and they'll go to this restaurant and they'll take their family and they will drop three hundred dollars plus and then they're disappointed and i just that really annoys me i feel like you can't i don't know why people need to like i don't know why you wouldn't be honest and to answer your question like i wrote that review and i got mixed responses there were people who were agreeing with me 100 percent, saying yep i 100 percent agree i went there all these bad things happened i didn't like it uh and then on the other hand, like, you know, restaurant restaurateurs, like there wasn't too much sort of backlash from there, but it was just other people disagreed. Like, and yeah. they were like, well, I love it and this is my thing. So yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like we, as, as a food critic, I have to be honest. Yeah. And that's just the cornerstone of my review because if you don't have authenticity and integrity, people yeah. aren't going to take you seriously. Absolutely. So, yeah. Oh, my gosh. But no no sassy sort of stories, unfortunately. Not yet, anyway. <laughs> I, I could – I'm honestly – I can imagine people, like, threatening you and stuff because you hear about it happening even just people leave bad Airbnb reviews and the person who owns the Airbnb is threatening. Like, mm. I thought you would have had some crazy stories about, like, restaurant owners coming after you. No, well, and largely – Touch wood. No, touch wood, touch wood. But, I mean, at the end of the day, though, it doesn't really bother me too much or phase me if they do because at least – then I know that I'm doing my job and I'm being honest and truthful about a venue because what really doesn't sit well with me is if for that particular review that for that restaurant we're talking about like if I sat back and wrote it was great I would Mm, feel terrible I couldn't I Mm -hmm. couldn't write that because then what am I achieving like what just to keep someone happy and I think with journalism like you go back to the foundations of why we do this like you've got to think journalists aren't just doing things to make 
people happy. People are journalists because they want people to, they want to hold people to account. They want to do the good, you know, fight the good fight for the everyday person. That's yeah. sort of their thing that they're doing. So you can't think it's not, yeah, it's not as like, you know. Um, You've got to have integrity, I think. If you just review everything, oh, yeah, it's fantastic. Mm, yeah. You know. Yeah. You don't have to be nasty. No. About it, but I think you do have to be honest. You're yeah. right. And, and if people are spending that amount of money, they want their value. That's it. And everyone's going to have different tastes. Like, and I get that. And there's things that I might not like personally, but go to a restaurant and yeah. review it and, and rate it, even if I didn't want particularly like it myself. Like, but I know that people will enjoy it and it's a good thing. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. And so do you have, on the other flip side, on a more positive note, mm-hmm. do you have any favourite places to go for a wine, any wine lists that blow your mind in Melbourne? Oh, gosh. Well, I did I did mention it before, but I feel like I do love what Leanne Altman's doing, Trader yeah. House Group, love it. Went to Marion Wine Bar the other day, loved it, really good. Yeah. Uh, where else do I like to go? It's one of those things where my ultimate, ultimate thing that I love is – you know, you can take me to your Voodamons and your Atticas, which are great, but I would just love to go to a wine bar. Uh-huh. That's my ultimate I'm fantasy. Same. It's that performance food yes. where you feel like they present it to you and you have to applaud. Yeah. That's, I'm just over that. You know, Attica's amazing. Yeah. But, again, it's like, ta-da. And yeah. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. Whereas sometimes you just want – it's it's food. It's delicious. You're very skilled. Well done. But that's what I felt with Vue de Monde because they had the cloches and they used oh, to yeah, yeah. pull them off and you'd be like, do I clap now? <laughs> do I do? Can I just – and you're kind of sitting there going, mm. It's a very different vibe. But I think my vibe's more wine bar. Like, and I yeah, like to drink. And I like to talk. And nibbly and – Yeah, like have a bit of snacks. Yeah. Like, where else do I like going? I Because we've recently moved to the west, but when we were in the south, south of Melbourne – you know, places like Turak Cellars were great. Yeah. Uh, you know, the Alps uh, in Paran. Uh, where else have I gone? In the city, you know, City Wine Shop. City yeah. Wine Shop. Yeah, yeah that's yeah. great. That. Since we are recording this at Bellotta. And Bellotta. In South Melbourne. Yes. I have to give a shout out to Bellotta because it is one of my favourites. <laughs> yes. No, it's great. And, it. and we're very spoiled for choice in Melbourne. I feel oh, like no. there's so many great yeah. places, that, so many great wine bars that just do excellent food. And I feel like we've set a standard. You can't just yeah. go into, you know, like a wine bar or even any, any yeah. restaurant really. Yeah. It's like you're going to have to perform. Like, Absolutely. Yeah, people, are, we've got high expectations in Melbourne. Yeah. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, yeah. we've just named a bunch of wine bars. Um, we'll make sure they're all in the show notes so people can right. get yes. these awesome places. Yes. We are pretty much out of time. Did you have any last questions for Kyle? Can I have your job when you're in <laughs> Yeah, yeah. We can swap if you want. Do you do a lot of exercise to counteract for the fact that you're accumulating, like, consuming like thousands yeah. of calories? Oh, yeah. I do. And I feel like it's been tricky these last few months. Like, it's been hard to sort of yeah. keep that balance. Like, and I'm, I'm a very fit person generally. Like, I love, and I love working out and I love exercising and I like to stay active. But mm, it's, nice. it's a balance though, isn't it? And it's a fear, like a fierce struggle. Like, I know this is probably, again, all those people going, mm, you know, you don't have much pity pity party followers here because it's, it's a great job. But yeah. then at the same time, it's like, it's all about oh, balance. Absolutely. It's all about balance, you know. You, I can imagine you'd have to do so much. Well, even just some days, it's kind of like you go out, you have like a 12-course degustation, and then the next day you're like, you know what, I just want to go for a really long walk and eat a bowl of broccoli and, you know, it's all about balance. Balance, that's right. For sure. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you so, very much. so much oh, for coming for on this show. Me. We've loved having you. 
Um, if anyone wants to read your columns out on Tuesdays. Yes, Kitchen Confidential in the Herald Sun every Tuesday. And you can also follow all my food and wine adventures on Instagram, Cara Food Wine. Awesome. Thank you so much, Cara. And thanks for listening. Until next time, enjoy your next glass of wine. And drink well. 